the elephant in the room. And this is the last one. And if you have guys have been here for this series, the elephant in the room is that one thing that everybody knows about, but nobody wants to address. Nobody wants to talk about it. Why? Because it's awkward. If you have been here, be honest. Some of those have been awkward. You know, it's uncomfortable to talk about, but it has to be addressed. So today our elephant in the room is love. No, it's marriage and divorce. Marriage and divorce. And then there's that song, how does it go? Love and marriage, love and marriage, fit together like a... I'll tell you what, you can't have one without the other. They go hand in hand. So, you know, the Bible really has a lot to say about marriage. And our first scripture today... Um, it's going to set the tone for, for our talk. And it's Hebrews 13, 4. And it says, Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that you have covered all the areas in our lives in our word. God, we are so thankful that you are going to speak to us, O Lord God through this message, and we pray, O Lord God, that we will have open hearts, Lord, to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what? Marriage is a great thing. I love being married. Not every day. No, for the most part. Love, like, marriage really is great. It's fun. It's adventurous. You never know how much one thing can irritate the mess out of you until you get married. Right? Right, I know. Yep, yep. And you know why marriage is so amazing? It's probably because God thought of it. Because anything that God creates is good. Anything that God creates is good. So when he created marriage, it's good. In Genesis 2.24, we see the first marriage ceremony. It's in the garden. And God performs the wedding. And this is what he says. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You know, Adam and Eve didn't have biological parents. God created them. But from the beginning, God said, hey, listen, it's you and it's your spouse. That's it. You know, we were, I was... I spent the weekend with my mother-in-law in, in Portland, Texas, and she was watching that show, Say Yes to the Dress. So these girls, you know, they go and they try all these wedding gowns on, and uh, the episode that I caught, it's uh, this really cute girl, and she's trying on a dress, and her mother-in-law, her, her mom had passed away, and her mother-in-law is there, and she comes out with this dress, and the mother's wife's like, yes, I like that one. And she's like, you know, I want to try another one. So she goes to the back, and she puts the dress on. And you see her in the back, and she's like, I think this is it. And she steps that in front of her family, and her mother-in-law is like, mm-mm, no, no. So she bursts into tears. <laughs> and, you know, she goes back, and she ends up picking the dress that her mother-in-law liked. I'm like, oh. Now, I love my mother-in-law. Listen, my husband's not here, and I drove five and a half hours to go spend time with her. I have an amazing mother-in-law. That's not the case for everyone, and I understand. But listen, I love my daddy. I love my daddy. I'm daddy's little girl. Just, he's my daddy, and he loves me. <laughs> but you know what? When my husband and I got married, those needed to be cut off, and it needed to be me and my husband. Because that's, I didn't make that up, guys. It's in the Bible, Genesis 2.24. I promise, it's there. And you know, when I was younger, I would hear older couples say, oh, we're still in the honeymoon stage. And I'd be like, oh, you, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to know that. But then I'd be like, seriously, after all this time? But now that Jason and I have been married eight years, 
but you know what? I think it's way better than it was in our honeymoon. Like we've gotten to know each other better, what we have built. It's just like all the adventures we have had, the kids we've had. Marriage is just better now than it was then. And you know what? I think of that awe stage when you're just in love and the butterflies and everything, and that's awesome. And I think that what we have now is so much deeper than that because of the things that we have walked through, the storms that we have faced, the fact that it has made us stronger. And I just love it. It has been amazing. But, you know, a couple of months ago, Jason and I were going back through our friends list on Facebook. And out of the couples that got married around the same time as us, there's probably only two other couples that are still together. Everybody else has experienced divorce. So when we got married, there was probably about eight other couples that got married. Before the first year of marriage, two of those went through a divorce. Before the first year. Now granted, first year of marriage is tough. One was within a couple of months. And if you want, it was devastating to see our friends walk through it. The heartbreak, just the, the hurt, the pain, the ugliness from it. And it just really, really hurt to see them. It did. You know, some of them made unwise choices in their partner. And were like, friend, he really doesn't love Jesus. <laughs> I promise. But you know what? They were in love. And then they had to walk through heartbreak. Because they did not choose wisely from the beginning. And you know, I am so, so thankful that, that I have never lived through that. Because those of you who have had to live through that, you know that recovery, you know the pain, you know the brokenness, you know the agony. And, and it's such a painful thing to go through. Listen, I've only, I've been like a third ex, like I've been just a witness and I hurt with my friends. And for those of you who, who have had that heartbreak, man, my heart goes out to you. It is difficult. It is a tough, tough thing to live through. But you know what? If we're going to do marriage right, and if it's going to be good marriage the way God designed it to be, and if it's going to be this amazing thing that God designed it to be, we have to follow God's plan for it. Because if it's God-ordained, God-designed, then God has to have something to say about it, right? Because that's how awesome he is. He's not just like, hey, go have a good marriage. He actually tells us how to have a good marriage. Yeah, I'm so excited, y'all. Listen, if we're going to have a good marriage, we need to have an example of what a good marriage looks like, right? And did you know that God gave us that example in the Bible? Do you want to know who it is? It's Jesus. And you're like, y'all, Miss Tina, Jesus was not married. You need to read your Bible. I did. Maybe that's why he was so good at it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Jesus was the ultimate example. Why? Let me tell you. <laughs> Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. Oh, no, no, no. Wait on that one. Sorry. My bad. It's ironic that Jesus would be the ultimate example. Okay, but just keep an open mind. I will get there. We will we'll explain on why. Okay, now, if we're going to try to make our marriage good, if we want to learn how to have a successful marriage, we have to just read the Bible and do what it says. Now, our Bible verse, ladies, I know this is a tough one. I know you hate this Bible verse. I know it has been abused. I know it has been taught incorrectly. But let me speak some truth into you, okay? So it's Ephesians 5, 22 through, 20 through 33. We're going to go through the whole thing. And it starts like this. Do you want to have a good marriage? Whatever. Pretend. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so your wives, so you wives, must submit to your husbands in everything. Now listen, I know that's tough to hear. 
But God designed the husband to be the leader of his family and to care for his wife as the head of the marriage union. Listen, Paul compares the relationship of Jesus being the head of the church to marriage. Now, there's Jesus in the church. Okay, so let's picture Jesus in the church. Jesus and the church are not equal partners in saving the world. Jesus did that work. That was his. He died for the church. Okay? We are following Jesus. Come on, y'all. My kids in Sunday school answer that one. It's always the answer. So, God clearly intends for the husband to lead his marriage. Now, we're going to get to the guys, I promise. Okay, guys, you're not exempt. You're just nodding and aiming, but we're going to get to you too. Because God covers both people. It's not just me, okay? Now, husbands, whether you lead your family good, whether you're a good leader or a bad leader, you're still accountable to be the leader. A good leader will bring a healthy marriage, will bring a marriage that prospers. A bad leader will lead his family into destruction. So guys, that is your accountable, you're accountable to God, not to me, not to your wife. You are answering to God. So your family depends on you to lead them. When a wife honors her husband and follows his leadership, you know what? It's a blessing to us because we're obeying Christ. It's the same way that God blesses us when we follow Jesus, when we obey the commandments in the Bible. It's the same thing. And I know some of you are like, listen, my husband ain't no Jesus. Okay, okay. I understand. I do. You know, I know it's easier to follow the Son of God than to follow your husband because sometimes your husband makes mistakes and sometimes your husband, you know, can be a jerk. And uh, let me give you an example, okay? Jason has been gone for quite a while and uh, usually he's been able to call me at least once and usually it's around 8 o'clock. So 8 o'clock came and went and I get no phone call from my husband. And then 9 o'clock rolls around and the military wife and me is like, Oh my God, what if something happened to him? I mean, he's at training, okay? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to check on my husband. And so oh, I just sent a sweet text message, okay? And it says, hey, love, are you okay? Question mark, send. 11 o'clock. My phone rings, and it's my husband. And I'm at HEB. I'm like, yellow, honey. He's like, hey, love. And this is what the other side of the phone what do you mean am I okay? I'm in training. I'm working. I'm doing my job. I had to make sure it said Jason Ellis. Actually, it says Papi Chulo, but yeah. <laughs> but he calls me. That's what it says. I know. I know. It does. <laughs> and I was like, no, yeah. Listen, he was not being Papi Chulo at that moment. Okay? He wasn't. He wasn't. And um, I was at H-E-B, y'all. I'm out in public. I can hear his soldiers on the background, so I know that they can hear what he is telling me. And you know what? Part of me wanted to be like, click. Because that's the adult mature thing to do, hang up, you know. And then the other part was to be like, excuse me, mister, I'm sorry for caring and checking on you, concerned wife here. Call me when you fix your attitude. Click. So that's a mature thing you do. But you know what? That was out of character for my husband. And I was like, huh. So I said, yes, babe, I know that you're in training. And I'm sorry, I just got worried because usually you've been able to call me by 8 or 9 o'clock and this time you didn't. And I just wanted to make sure you're okay. What a loving response. 
and I wish I could tell you that it totally melted his heart. And he was like, oh, honey. And he was like, okay, well, I'm working. I'll call you later. Bye. So I walk over to the bakery department and get a slice of Tres Leches cake. And I walk back. <laughs> I was there to buy Tres Leches cake already. Okay, don't let me lie to you. And so I was like, hmm, must have been a rough day. So I drive back to my mother-in-law's. I'm happily eating my cake, uh, watching, what was it? The, the dress, say yes to the dress. And my phone rings, and it's my papi chula again, and I answer. And, and you know what? You would, you would think that an apology would come, right? No, no. He's like, hey, how are you guys? What did y'all do today? Blah, blah, blah. So we start talking about our day. And then at some point in the conversation, he goes, hey, I was a really big jerk to you earlier, wasn't I? I did not mention it. I did not bring it up. He did. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yes, you were a jerk. And he was, I am so sorry, love. It has been a really tough day. Now, he can't tell me what his tough day is like. Okay, that's not something that he can share with me. Whatever happens in training, it's military. And I can't, I can't know. And he just goes, it has been a really, really rough day. I'm running on two hours of sleep for the last couple of days that I've been here. And I'm just really exhausted. And I'm so, I had to deal with a situation earlier that just put me on edge. And I'm so sorry. And I was like, love, it's okay. I forgive you. It's, I knew it was out of character for you. You know what? That conversation had the potential to go a whole lot worse. But I needed, my husband needed me to show him honor. Did he deserve it? Were, were my feelings and emotions there to show him honor? No, they were not. I could tell you what my feelings were, and they were not pointed in the direction of honor. They were more pointed in the I'm going to tell you off side. But you know what? I had to honor my husband. I had to honor him at that moment. So I know it's hard, okay? I know it's hard to be able to submit to your husband, especially when he's made mistakes in the past. And you're like, oh my gosh. You know, it, it is. It's difficult to submit. It's extra hard because of sin. Okay? So ladies, sin comes into the picture. Our sinful nature takes place. Scripture talked about it when God is giving out the consequences for everybody's choices. He said that woman would constantly have to struggle with a desire to control her husband. It was going to be a struggle. It's not going to be impossible, but it is going to be a struggle. Okay, so we are able to overcome that. And our sin nature, with us wanting to control our husband, causes trouble because God wants a wife to honor her husband as the leader of the family. And the most important thing a man needs is not sex. I know they're like, oh my gosh, it's sex again. No, that's the second thing. The first thing that a man needs most in his life is R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Respect. Sing it to me. No, I'm kidding. Respect. It's respect. A man needs to feel respected in his house. And it's tough. Listen, just like it's tough for us to submit to Jesus. Yeah, when you got saved, was it, was it kind of hard to submit to Jesus? When Jesus called you to do something and you were like, eh, I don't want to. When Jesus calls us to have faith to do something, and we're like, uh, are you sure, Jesus? Are you sure? Can I have a second opinion? It is, right? But even though it's tough and it's not always easier, it is worth it. Why? Because blessings come when we submit to Jesus. And when Jesus sees that a wife honors her husband, regardless of whether he deserves it or has earned it, God blesses that. Goodness. Thank you. Amen. Listen, guys, this was hard for me to read, too. Do you know that pastor's wives struggle with this, too? 
all we, everybody does. Every married woman does. I struggle too with this. This, y'all, I cried when whenever this message came. When we listen, it's not easy to submit to Jesus, but it is better because when we submit to Jesus, it is not a submission that subjugates. That's not it. It's a submission that elevates. You have been raised with Christ to new life. It elevates you. Submitting to Jesus elevates you. It doesn't subjugate you. It elevates. It's not submission that makes you less than, but more than. Why? Because before we were lost sinners, and now we are joint heirs with Christ. We are daughters and sons of God. It makes you more than. It is a submission that makes you more than. It is not a submission that enslaves. It's a submission that brings freedom. Why? Because him who the Son has set free is free indeed. It brings comfort because I know that he is in control. Listen, God said, two sparrows are sold for a copper, but not one of them falls without me knowing. Are you not more valuable than many sparrows, than entire flocks of sparrows? You are. What? Submitting to Jesus brings freedom. It does. Whether you think your husband is worth worth being followed or not, you will be blessed when you honor him and you submit into his leadership because he has to submit to the leadership of Christ. Okay? When a wife honors her husband, it is not a submission that subjugates. It elevates. It's not less than, but more than. And you're about to see why. Now, guys, I know that you thought that Ephesians ended there. But it doesn't. It keeps going. Check your Bible, I promise. Ephesians 25 says, For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. So if you think it's hard to respect your husband, Think about how hard it would be for someone to love somebody else like Christ loved the church. Like like Jesus loved the church. You're like, oh, that's easy. <laughs> no, no, no. It's Jesus. He was perfect. Uh, he has some big shoes to fill. He's asking you to do the same thing. Listen. Look at verse 26. He gave up his life for her. To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So listen, let's put this in perspective. When you've been doing a really good job as a husband, and you think that you deserve this gold star, or when you feel like somehow your wife is asking a lot of you when you come home, Or do you feel like you have to sacrifice something in order to please your wife and you want to start patting yourself in the back, saying, okay, I'll do it. I hope she realizes how lucky she is. Yeah, she is one lucky woman. Goodness, she doesn't know how good she has it. (laughs) Jesus says, "Uh uh-huh, nice try, buddy. Try loving her like I love the church. You remember that? You remember the time I died for her? Do you remember the time I sacrificed for her and I did it without complaining and I did it without keeping score of what I had done for my wife so that later I could cash in on that I gave sacrificially oh is it hard to be patient with your wife how do you think it feels to watch you sin over and over and over again and still love you and be patient with you Taking out the garbage is really difficult work compared to what I did on the cross. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Still on your gold star? Touche. But listen, wives, when you submit to your husband's leadership, you are actually signing up to follow a man whom God has commanded to love you with sacrifice. Single ladies, This is why the choosing part is important. 
listen, you don't have to say yes to every date because you're desperate and you think that you will never marry and die an old maid. That is a lie. Okay? You get to choose who you marry. It's your choice. You say yes or you say no. Same thing in dating. You don't have to choose to date everybody that asks you out. Stop being desperate. It's not attractive. Listen. This, listen. Forgot. This choosing part is important because everybody can talk cheeses, but not everybody can live cheeses. Okay? This is why you have to see actions. And this is why you have to see how a person acts in church and outside of it in a consistent basis. It can be all oh, this one time he opened the door for this old lady. Yeah, after he tripped her. You know? you Consistency. Consistency is character, friends. Keep an eye out for that. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives mercy. Listen, husbands, God is really trying to hook you up and help you out. Okay? He really is. He's like, help me help you. Yeah, like that. God's trying to help you. He is. When you love your wife with this God-crazy love, what do you think your wife is going to become like? She's going to flourish. She's going to flourish on it. She's going to thrive under that kind of love and thrive under that kind of leadership. Why? Because us wives, we need love. Just like you need respect, we need love. That is how we survive. And when you love us with this God-crazy love, we thrive. You make it easier for her to respect you. When I know my husband loves me, in that phone call, guys, listen, I know my husband loves me. It made it a little easier to respect him then. And when things are going good and I feel loved, it's, I respect him more. It comes easier. It comes naturally because I'm feeling loved. Because my husband is submitting himself under Jesus and he's loving me the way Jesus told him to. So God is trying to hook you up. He's trying to make your life better letting you know how to love your wife. Love her like Christ loved the church. Listen. Hmm. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. It says this is a great mystery. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So I say, so again, so he's repeating himself because, you know, sometimes Jesus needs to tell us more than once. I say again, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Listen, just like when we get saved, we're working on getting our relationship with Jesus closer and closer each day, right? It is devastating when we see people walk away from the faith and return to sin. In that same way that we're supposed to be bound with Jesus once he saves us, we're supposed to be bound with our spouses. We're supposed to be bound. And any time a tear happens, it leaves in its path devastation. Devastation and destruction. So if we're going to do this marriage thing right, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Love and respect. God created them to function together. And when they're both present in the marriage, it creates this upward cycle. When a wife respects her husband, it's easier for the husband to love her. Men, if you're feeling respected, it's a lot easier to love your wife. If you're feeling respected, instead of nagged, it's a lot easier for you to take out the trash. It's a lot easier for you to come and help your wife after work. It is. When a wife respects her husband, it makes it easier for him to love her. 
when a husband loves his wife, it makes it easier for the wife to respect him. So when both spouses are doing their part, it creates this upward cycle of love and respect. Love, respect, love, respect, love, respect, love, respect, up. Unfortunately, it only takes one person not doing that part to spiral down. Listen, it's very difficult when it's only one person doing it, when it's a one-sided thing. Gosh, it's difficult. It's not impossible, but it wears you out. It is tiring. You can do it. It just takes a lot, okay? Even if she wants to, even if she tries, if a wife feels unloved, if the husband's not showing her love, it makes it difficult. But if you do what God says in marriage, your relationship will prosper. Of course, you know who knows that? Satan. He's evil. <sighs> he's the enemy of our souls. He is. And right now, Satan has his to-do list for 2017. And number one is to get as many people to reject Jesus so they can go to hell with him. See, Satan's already going to hell. Everybody else gets to choose. And he wants to get as many people to walk away from Jesus so they can go with him. Hell was not created for us, friends. Hell was created for Satan and his angels. That's why God created hell for them. For you and I, he gave us a choice. When we choose to have Jesus in our hearts, when we choose to get saved, we've made that choice to go to heaven. When we choose to reject Jesus, God has to honor that. When you choose to reject Jesus, God has to honor that. Rejecting Jesus, rejecting God means that you want nothing to do with him. You don't want him to be near you. You don't want anything from him. And the only place where God's presence is not is in hell. Okay? So rejection from Jesus, rejection, rejecting God. You are choosing to be in a place where God is not. And the only place where God is not is hell. Why? Because he loves us. He will not force you to be in his presence. So that's number one. Number two is attacking your marriage. Attacking our marriages. Listen. When a marriage is destroyed, poverty, pain and suffering, sexual immorality, and abuse all increase. And that's what Satan wants for you. Because he is out to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants for your life. It is. When a father and mother are in the home, families statistically are more wealthy. They're healthy emotionally. They're healthy physically. And that's not surprising when we're doing things God's way. It's not easy, but it is better. Listen, John 8, 44. Jesus is talking about Satan. And this is, this is who he is. It says he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So everything that Satan speaks to you is a lie. He doesn't know how to speak truth. It's not in him. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. A cleverly disguised, very good-looking lie. It's still a lie. Goodness. And just like Satan, anytime he speaks and opens his mouth, is a lie. Anytime that God speaks to us, he speaks truth and life. Okay? We have to understand that all sin starts with a lie. If you've ever been divorced, you know that that started with a lie. Somebody bought into a lie from Satan, and it unraveled and destroyed. If you're considering divorce, you've already bought into the lie. So this is why we need to be reminded of the truth. Listen, the psalmist in Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart so I may not sin against you. It's like, listen, God, I put your truth inside of me, so when Satan comes and speaks these lies, I can check back in and be like, eh, no, no, mm-mm. 
Fuchi, fuchi, go away. No. Listen, when Satan speaks lies to us, we have to return to the truth that God is telling us. So here are some common lies that Satan uses. Lie number one. Someday, you will find a man or a woman who will fix you and fulfill you. Ladies, one day you are going to find this man who is going to be so romantic, who's going to buy you flowers just because, who's going to plan a date just because, who is going to stand outside your window with a boombox. Let me pause right there. Ladies, a boombox was this big radio in the form of a rectangle, and it had batteries in it, and you could play music. Okay, awesome. You're, oh, yeah, you had to push play. And, and it had, like, stuff to do, tapes. <sighs> tapes were this rectangle. No, Google it. Google it. Okay, Google it. You're going to find some guy that's going to stay outside of your window with a boombox and play. What was that song that he plays? Say anything. That's what it was. You're going to find that Romeo. You're going to find that Mr. Darcy. And he's going to know what you need before you even say anything. He's going to be able to read your mind and understand just what you need. He's going to be so excited to do chores around the house and to cook for you, and he's going to look good doing it. Mm -hmm. Guys, you makes you believe that lie that a woman's going to make you feel like a real man. Oh, you're going to be a real man. You'll finally get the respect you deserve. She's going to make you happy. She's going to pick up after you. She's going to cook for you. She's going to clean. She's going to do anything you ask without arguing. She's not going to nag you at all, ever. And she's going to look good doing it. All aboard the Disappointment Express. Next stop, reality. Yeah. No, it doesn't exist. Listen, we're all hoping that someone will fix us. But you know what? I mean, we all have issues, right? I have issues. You have issues. We want someone to, res to fix us, to fulfill us. We're all insecure. <laughs> Ladies, I know that you, we grew up thinking, if I can just get the right guy to fall for me, I'll be so happy. You'll complete me. He will. But you know what? A man cannot make you whole. Not because he's bad. He's just not God. He's not. Listen, the goal is not to find someone who will fall for you. Anyone can fall. If you stick your leg out, it's real easy. Anyone can fall. You want a guy who will fight for you. You want a guy who will fight for you. Listen, in Genesis, when God created the first man, he was alone with God. The man was alone with God, and he walked with him. The man was following God. The man was spending time with God by himself. Not because he liked some girl and he came to visit church. He was walking with God by himself. Listen. You know what, guys? That's what makes you a man. Having that relationship with God. And then what happened next? He gets a woman. No, he doesn't, friends. He gets a job. He gets a job. Read Genesis. I'm telling you the truth. God, after he created man, and he's walking with him in fellowship, God gives him a job. He says, Adam, name all the animals, all of them, and cultivate the earth. Listen, work is not a curse. It's hard work, yes. But, guys, when you work, it makes you feel better. When we work, it makes us feel better. You're being faithful to the calling that God has placed on your life. So, after having a relationship with God and having a job, then came the woman. Okay, ladies, keep that in mind. God, job, and then you. Okay? Okay. So, if you read Genesis, you know that the serpent tempted Eve. And the Bible implies that Adam was just kind of standing there. And I don't know why that fool didn't fight for his wife. Why didn't he just kill the snake? Why? Listen, 
Eve ate and she was deceived. And then she went to her husband to make it better. And did he make it better? No, he made it worse. He ate too. Listen, Adam didn't fight for his wife. I don't know why. I don't know why Eve didn't go to God after that had happened. But it brought down the fall of man. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Messina, why did Jesus and God even plant that tree of knowledge of good and evil there? Why? He had to give us free choice. He had to create the opportunity for disobedience. Because he didn't want us just to be robots and to love him because he said it had to be a choice. Unfortunately, we have been trying to reverse the effects ever since. Adam chose to please his wife. That's what, she cho- what, that's what he chose to do, to please his wife instead of God. So guys, live your lives to please God. Ladies, we're looking to our husbands to fix our issues. They can't. It is such a big burden for them to carry. He cannot fix them. He is not God. He can't fix them. Listen, no man or woman can fix or fulfill you. Only Jesus can do that. Lie number two, I deserve to have a great marriage. We like that one. We all would like to have a great marriage, but you don't just get to have it. It doesn't come in a box. It's not a gift. It's not like, oh, look what I found, a great marriage. Here's the truth. We have to build a great marriage. We have to build it. We have to work at it. I have to go through these pretty fast because I love them. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes sacrifice. But you have to build it. Listen, what you put into your marriage, that's what you will reap. Okay? If you're pouring in respect for your husband, you will reap that love from him. If you're pouring in love for your wife, you will reap that respect. If you want a great marriage, it's possible. You have to build it. You have to work at it. I have to work at it. Line number three, my spouse is not a good spouse. I apologize that one time when I accidentally put Clorox in the wash and ruined Jason's shirts. Yeah, that was me. (laughs) That was awful. Um, You know, my husband doesn't take out the trash. (sighs) My wife always nags me. Blah, 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 blah. This is not what I expected. I had a note... Prince Charming expectation, and yeah, no. But listen, if you start listening to that lie, you will find more and more and more things that are wrong with your spouse. And eventually your spouse will be this, like, the spouse from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, it'll be this monster that doesn't deserve you. But here's the truth. Your spouse is largely the result of what you have cultivated it is I have to own up to that a godly spouse cultivates a good spouse a godly wife cultivates a good husband Proverbs 31.10 says who can find a virtuous and capable wife she is more precious than rubies her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life she brings him good and not harm all the days of her life listen women we can influence what kind of husbands we have God gave us that the ability to influence a godly wife inspires her husband to be a better man without saying anything Proverbs 18 forces an excellent wife is the crown of her husband but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. So we can choose to be a crown of glory or we can choose to be cancer to the bones. That is how much influence we have on our husbands. It is. Not manipulate. Okay? We don't manipulate our husbands. We're not like, well, if you do this, you might just get lucky tonight. No. No. It's an influence. It's a loving your husband. Have you ever seen a wife belittle her husband in front of others? Don't you just feel for the guy? You're like, oh, and you're just sitting here. Listen, 
God gave us this awesome role to be a good influence to our husbands. Let's use that. Guys, if you have complaints about your wife, it's probably your leadership style. If you love your wife like Christ loved the church, she will flourish. Ephesians said, for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Listen, you want to have a happy marriage? Love your wife. You will be very happy in your marriage. Listen, if you're not happy with your wife, if you're not happy with your husband, stop trying to fix them. Look in the mirror because you're at least half of the problem. Look in the mirror. We're at least half of the problem. It's true. Your spouse is the result of what you've cultivated. This is the, the lie I hate most. I am not in love with my spouse anymore. You lost that love and feeling. Whoa, that. You've lost that loving feeling. Now it's. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Doo -doo. No, stop it. Yes. Listen, I don't have those romantic feelings. I don't have those butterflies. Oh my gosh, my heart just doesn't go. No, it doesn't. What? See, y'all, this is why I don't sing. Y'all, dude, my husband's going to have to listen to this. We're going to erase this loss, this file. Listen, if you think you've fallen out of love, you are believing a lie. You are. Listen, you might have actually felt instant attraction to your spouse. You're like, oh, he's mine. Back off, ladies. But you didn't just fall in love, okay? You were instantly attracted. So when you met the one, what did you do? You talked a lot. Free nights and weekends were my friend. Yes, yes, anyone else? After 8 o'clock, you didn't have to use your minutes. You'll have no clue what I'm talking about. Oh. I'm old. Jesus. You overlooked each other's faults. You're like, yeah, you know, he's kind of dorky, but I like him. He's funny. You know, it's like, ah, oh, she's kind of sassy, but I like that. You showed love. You bought gifts or you did little things. You spent time together on dates. You went out of your way to see each other. You prioritized time with your future spouse. Now, you weren't passing your classes or you were barely passing, but... And lo and behold, what happened? You found yourself in love. You did. You felt the attraction. You felt the intimacy. So what is the truth? Loving feelings follow loving actions. So if you've lost those feelings, it's probably because you're not doing the actions. And if you start doing the actions, guess what? The feelings are going to come back. They are. Listen, you don't communicate well anymore. You feel like your roommates or business partners. Here's the schedule for today. Your child got in trouble. Yeah? Suggest me? Okay. You don't spend time together anymore. You do your own thing. Your spouse is talking to you, and you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, yeah. No, I'm listening, I'm listening. You just said this. See, I'm listening. It's not communication. You don't overlook each other's faults anymore. You point them out. You never take out the trash. You always forget. Fill in the blank. Before, the guy was funny and had potential. Now he's just annoying and broke. You know? Your wife was sassy, but now she's just a pin in the rear. Uh-huh. Listen, you stop doing the little things. You stop doing the little things that made the feelings come. So... What do you know? It happens. Listen, the Bible says that love is a verb. Biblically, in Scripture, anytime the Bible refers to love, it's an action. It is an action. So when you do these loving actions, loving feelings follow. Try it. Lie. God wants me to be happy. That's why a lot of people get divorced. Hmm. That's Satan's twist on, on Scripture just a little bit. It's not an obvious lie. It's not that God doesn't want us to be happy. God wants us to have joy, which is a lot, way more than happiness. God wants you to obey him, and when you obey him, you will find joy. Lie, it is for the best that we divorce. Well, I give it a try. 
I tried. I did. Okay? And he didn't, but I did. Or she didn't, but I did. But listen, who is it best for? Is it best for your wife? Statistically, divorced women struggle with finances and live below the poverty line. Is it best for your husband? Studies show that men have a more difficult time than women adjusting to divorce. It causes serious identity and social issues. Is it better for your kids? Really? Really? Because divorced kids. The study says that they are more likely to suffer because of a divorce. What's better for your kids? Every study says that kids are more likely to succeed with mom and dad in the home, not in the picture, in the home. You know, the divorce is the second most psychological stressful thing to happen to a person. The first one is death of a child, psychologically, ranked. Death of a child is first, but the second most traumatic thing a person can experience is divorce. Divorce is not even what's best for you. It hurts. Listen, it's emotionally and mentally less stressful to have your spouse die than for them to divorce you. Did you know that? That shocked me. Like, dude, I'm out of touch with my psych. 70%, oh, here we go. That was the thing. Listen, if you're thinking about divorcing your spouse, after you get rid of them, guess who's left? You and your issues. Because you didn't deal with you. You didn't deal with yourself. So that's why when people get remarried, 70% of people who are remarried divorce again. Because that half of the problem is still there. Here's the truth. It is best to fix your marriage. Divorce causes unimaginable pain and sorrow because you're ripping something apart that was never meant to be ripped apart. The Old Testament gives us two reasons for divorce. Well, once in the Old Testament and once in the New. Matthew 19, 8 said, Jesus replied, Moses repeated divorce only as a concession to your hardened hearts. But that was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Listen, unfaithfulness can tear a marriage apart. But God still heals marriages that have experienced unfaithfulness. Yes, he does. And he does a beautiful job of it. Our second scenario is 1 Corinthians 7. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the Christian husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. If your husband abandons you, God says, let them walk away. So, could there be situations where it's justifiable to separate? Yes. If you're being abused, if you're experiencing any kind of abuse, any kind, your kids are being abused, you're in an unhealthy situation, it is grounds to separate. But the goal is always restoration. The goal is always restoration, okay? Listen, if you're listening to this message and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> my marriage is on the rocks. This is kind of scary and frustrating. I want you to know it's not too late. It's not too late to start building your marriage on the rock of Jesus. It's not. Listen, if you're considering divorce, I want you to take a step back. I want you to allow Jesus to begin a healing process in you. I want you to allow Jesus to begin to soften your heart toward your spouse. Because there's hope. Anytime Jesus is present, there is hope. There is hope for the worst of marriages. Listen, if you need help walking through it, we are here to help you. Look around. There are so many great men and women who have struggled and their marriages are better and they're moving forward. Even if you think your relationship is too far gone to save, you need to know that there is still hope. Listen, if there's hope to save the worst of sinners, there's hope for your marriage. There is. If you're here and you've been divorced, you're not a second-class Christian. If you've experienced that, God doesn't see you as less than. You need to know your story is not over. 
You need to know your story is not over. Listen, don't put a period where God has put a comma. You're tempted to say, well, that's it. My days of happiness are over, period. Don't do it. It's like, you know what? My days of happiness seem to be over, comma. Because God says, sorrow may come in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Listen, you may be tempted to think, look, everything's turned upside down. Nothing's going right, period. Don't do it. Because even though nothing is going right right now, comma, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. And they are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. It's not over. It's a comma. It's a pause. You just pause and then you go on. It's not a period where it's definite. Some of you may look around, look inside you and say, my life is over, period. But God says, but my life is ruined. But my life is ruined, comma, but God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Listen, it is not over until God says it's over. As long as you're alive, there is hope. There is hope. Your story is not over. Maybe you just hit a comma. Satan wants you to think that it's a period, but it's not. So listen, I don't know what part of your story you walked in this morning where you have put a period in the end. You fill your own statement and you've put a period in the end. God wants to remove that period and place a comma. Because there is more. There is more. There is life abundant and full of joy. I don't know where you are in your marriage and if you put a you put a period there. But this morning God's gonna change that period and turn it into a comma. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because with God, there's always hope. Listen. God found Gideon in a hole. God found Joseph in a pit. He found Daniel in the lion's den. And we found Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the midst of a fiery furnace. God has this awesome thing about showing up when there's trouble. So if you are in trouble, if your life is in trouble, if your marriage is in trouble, you came to the right place. Because God is here. And he'll show up for you this morning. And he'll start healing your heart. He'll start working on that period and erasing it and putting a comma. If you let him. The hope is here. Because you may see failure. But God sees future. So this morning we're going to close our eyes. And listen, I don't know what point of your story you walked in. I don't know what, what's been going on. But God did, and he brought you here this morning to tell you it is not over. There is hope. I know that things do not look like they can get better, but they can. I know things may look like they cannot change. They will always be the same, but they can because the God of the universe is here. The one that nothing can stand against him. He's here. So this morning, if you need God to do a miracle and to do what only God can do in your marriage, in your life, here and you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior. There is hope. You have a chance. This morning is your chance. This is it. The moment that God has been creating just for you. I hope you hear the excitement in my voice. So if this morning you would like to accept Jesus into your heart, I want you just to raise your hand real quickly. 
token, I will assume that everybody here has accepted Jesus as their Savior. God, we are so thankful that you are for marriage. God, you are for my marriage. God, and if you are for us, then what can be against us? God, I thank you that this morning, Lord, you are breathing hope and life back into marriages, back into spouses who are on the brink of believing Satan's lies and giving up. God, thank you that you're taking away periods and replacing them with commas and speaking your truth into situations. God, I thank you, God, that nothing is impossible for you. God, if you can bring dead, dry bones back to life, you can restore my marriage, God. Can restore my family, Lord. God, you can heal the broken places inside of me and make me whole. God, if the if the grave couldn't hold you back, if death couldn't stop you, Lord, my problem is no big deal for you, Lord. And this morning, God, we lay down our burdens, God. We put down those spirits that we have put in our lives, Lord God, and we say, Lord, here I am. I am willing to trust you, Lord God. I'm willing to take you at your word that there is hope for my situation, God. Lord, I am willing to do the hard work that you have commanded in Scripture to be obedient to you so that I can have a successful marriage so that my children can have an example of what a godly marriage looks like. God, I pray for every marriage represented here, Lord. God, I pray for every single person that's here, God, as they follow you and choose their spouses, God. May they choose wisely. God, may we in the church be an example of what marriage looks like for these young people. Lord God, be with us this week, oh Lord God. Help us start taking those first steps to have and to make a good marriage. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, we love you. We will see you next week.